Oh snap, bro! What's happening? What uh, ha- I don't know. Ah, oh, oh my god! We both through a time warp, and it's suddenly September 2016, and we're recording the first episode of this podcast again. I told you not to take a step to the left and just a step to the right. Listen, I step where I want. I spend time in my shed tinkering on my time machine when I want. All right. <laughs> As my hen-pecking wife yells at me. Luckily, (laughs) we've retained our futuristic 2020-era recording equipment and techniques and knowledge of the next 13 years of 2000 AD. So, let's do it! And then, you know, I don't know, call people to warn them about the the dark future that is to come. If you want. If you want to. You know, know. I feel like a surprise pandemic is, uh, I mean, the whole point is the surprise, right? Exactly. Come on. Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the first episode of Space oh, what? Inner 2000. That's oh, right. God, Time thank War. God. Podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. Because it's our very first episode, we're going back all the way to 1977 and covering 2000 AD, progs one through five oh. from the last week of February and all of March. But before we get to the stories, let's talk a little bit about 2000 AD itself, Fox. Cool. I mean, I know nothing about it. This is Prague 1 after all. Absolutely. It's just a blank canvas for me to <laughs> just jam my comic book knowledge all over. Oh, yeah, this guy. Gross. I'm so into this. <laughs> oh, comic jam. The worst jam. <laughs> so tasty. It's, it's inky somehow. Yeah. Oh. So, oh, God. 2000 AD, like most British comics, is a weekly anthology comic. Uh, so every week, uh, one issue comes out with a bunch of different stories, each with their own different creative teams and backstories. They usually don't cross over. Each comic generally has a theme. So like you get battle and have a bunch of war stories or the Beano with a lot of jokes or tiger and get sports stories. In this era, most of these comics would have a character that presented the comic and laid out the general premise of it. For 2000 AD, it's Tharg, the alien editor. He's just getting started in his early progs, but will do far more later full of adventures and god boating through everything and so <laughs> forth and so on and so on. He's so subdued in in Prox 1 through 5. I know. He's barely doing anything. It's ridiculous. So 2000 AD starts – so the story of 2000 AD starts a few years before the first issue or prog with the comic Action. Action was an attempt to develop the style of art and storytelling for boys comics to get them on par with the more narratively complex girls comics that were popular at the time in England. Oh, neat. Yeah, sadly, but sadly, due to a controversial coverage of objectionable content within this magazine, <laughs> action was censored and then canceled, and much of its creative team was sent to the wind. You could hear all about the rise and fall of action in our spinoff show, Space Spinner Reaction, also Ooh. on this feed. It's very fun, man. There's like a shark. There's a <laughs> oh secret God. agent that doesn't follow the rules. It's excellent. I forgot about Hookja. How? How could you forget? <laughs> He bit a guy's body off, Fox. <laughs> His whole body. He was just a head. Just the head was left. <laughs> the rest went down his gullet, Fox. <laughs> well, the head's the grossest part. I mean, I think we can all agree. No yeah, one wants full of, no one wants sweetbreads. Yeah, full of holes and mucus and so <laughs> forth. Um 
1976, there were rumors. So later in fall of 1976, there were rumors of a resurgence in the genre of the family-friendly science fiction movie, most notably the upcoming release of Star Wars, but also Close Encounters of the Third Kind and The Black Hole, among others. Uh, so, I was about to say, Black Hole 2, right? That one yeah. really great film. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that like it was part of a wave oh, sure. of movies that yeah. were coming out. You know, They couldn't know the relative... Ups or downs of these things, just that it was coming, and because of mm. that, as was as as the style of the time in British comics, they you know put out a comic to sort of capitalize on that pop culture moment. So the uh, the so the company IPC tasked comics writer and editor Pat Mills to establish a new boys science fiction comic. New created, boys, exactly. <laughs> created five <laughs> stories for the first prog, some based on current pop culture, other on classic nostalgia, and at least one that may have been the result of classic focus group of uh, extensive focus grouping. It certainly feels like it. <laughs> yeah. And to m- make it futuristic, they gave it a title of a round number 23 years in the future, 2000 AD. <laughs> That's where we're from. <laughs> For at, at least 2000 AD. <laughs> Every issue of 2000 AD is a program or prog, and each story inside of it is a thrill with the goal of overloading you with the power of those thrills so you can achieve thrill power overload. To literally explode with thrill power. It's uh, it's very uncomfortable, actually. It's fine. So let's get started <laughs> with these recaps. We're going to go thrill by thrill instead of by prog by prog, just because mm. I feel like having the thrills in one place is a little bit uh, more condensed. Yes. Which fun. brings absolutely listen. Gonna always gonna be fun, man. These thrill, thrill, and thrills. And so we go to thrill one invasion. Oh, it's like an old shoe, man. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. Script robot Pat Mills and Jerry Findlay Day. Art robot Jesus Belasco, Pat Wright, and us and us and a Serampus. Letting Robot, Bill Nuttall, Jack Potter, Tom Frame, and John Aldrich. Uh, no credit cards, these early progs. So I'm mm. going off the Barney database at 2080.org for all of the creator info for this episode. Mm. Invasion was the brainchild of 2080 publisher John Sanders, who gave Pat Mills detailed info about what a Soviet invasion of the UK would be like, and Mills executed that under slight protest. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, at the start, there was a lot of hemming and hawing about who the bad guys in the story would be, with production assistant Kev, Kev O'Neill uh, whiting out Soviet Union iconography and replacing it with the more generic Volgan Empire stuff mm. hours before the comic went to print. Good man. For, yeah, of course, obviously it, a better choice. I mean, I, I think it makes it a little bit more like sort of happening whenever, I think, especially because this story takes place in 1999 and the Soviet Union would not, in fact, survive to that year. No. Um, of course, Fox, in my own personal headcanon, the Volgans arose from the ashes of the USSR and several other, several other Eastern Bloc countries when their governments were severely damaged in a massive hem- hemisphere-spanning flood in the year 1990, which also <laughs> crippled the U.S.'s defenses and the U.K.'s, allowing a rapacious inv- invasionary force to conquer most of Europe and now stage invasion of England. <laughs> See Disaster 1990. It all comes back to Disaster 1990. That Truly. happened, damn it. It happened uh, in this world. Oh, it's so wonderful. <laughs> so, okay, here we go. Dateline, January 1st, 1999. The Volgan Republic of Asia has attacked Britain. 
Oh my god. Paratroops shooting bazookas at 2000 ADHQs, uh, King's Reach Tower. Oh no! It's the best way to open up a comic book is have paratroopers just shooting fucking bazookas. I wonder if a bazooka would work when you're on a parachute. It doesn't seem safe because of the backwash from the from the box. I mean, it just feels like none of this would have been a good idea, but it seems like, you know. Let's also launch a nuclear warhead into the Midlands. Yes. Yeah, tanks are destroyed. The sky is black with fighter jets. The minions have been nuked and planes full of vehicles and soldiers are landing at the captured Heathrow airport. In four hours, all strategic points have been taken. They even got Rhonda and Wales. Oh, my God. And this uh, some pretty nice oil platforms, but yeah, make sure oil- to kill all the people on the fucking oil terrace. They don't need those guys. Yeah, the North Sea oil rigs are taken, and King Charles III and the royal family are taken to exile in Canada. By 2 p.m., the eight-hour war is won, and the Vogans occupy England. <laughs> Lady Shirley Brown, a Margaret Thatcher stand-in, is executed on the steps of St. Paul's Cathedral. <laughs> really on the nose, boys. Definitely. Meanwhile, on the streets of London, lorry driver Bill Savage is heading home after his truck was seized by the Vogans, only to find that his house was hit by a stray shell and his wife and child have been killed. Oh my god. And this is where the Vogans have made their first mistake of the entire war effort. Luckily, there was one survivor in the Blast Fox. Me shotgun. <laughs> Just a goddamn double-barreled shotgun. It's so fucking, um, uh, what is it? Like, boomstick-esque moment, you know? Definitely. Or just, like, doom. Like, I got the shotgun. Oh, yeah. It's all <laughs> I need. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, a Vulcan patrol arrives, and Bill gives them both barrels and finishes the last one off as well. Some <laughs> say the war is over, but Bill Savage's war is just beginning. Uh, he... Just just to keep count here, he shot a truck, which then allowed it to plow into a building and explode, and then shot the survivor. I can't stress enough that you can't let the physics of, of how shotguns actually work slow you down in the least for these early invasion stories, Fox. I, or any I, of them, really. I just think that he has some kind of magical shotgun power, clearly. Definitely, yeah, no, like he pulled Excalibur out of the stone and it turned into a shotgun or something <laughs> like that. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> on on Salisbury Plain, the Brit the uh, the the British 4th Battle Group, sorry, the British 4th Battle Group fights a losing battle against the Volgans and are wiped out. <laughs> oh man. Meanwhile, Vogan troops wipe out survivors in the nuked Midlands and members of parliament are strung up from lampposts while tank oh. crews laugh it up in local pubs. Ooh, those dastards. <laughs> just, I love the way that the, the high commander or whatever, Vashkov, he's just yeah. like, hang them all and hang them high. I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> live it up. <laughs> but then to that pub, a man enters. Laugh this off, twinkle toes. It's Bill Savage with me shotgun. Shoot the men in the Ushankas. God, I, you got this amazing image by Blasco here as Savage gives the Volks both barrels. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> He runs out to reload as the surviving Bogans give chase. He pulls some sweet, dirty, hairy moves as he finishes them off. Like, did I fire both barrels or only one? <laughs> and then Molotov's the Vulcan tank and walks <laughs> off into the night as a mustachioed man in sunglasses looked on. 
I, I want, want that, that man. man. <laughs> that's so like sexy. You, that's like you and me when I was setting up this podcast. Fox. Oh, <laughs> I was like, look at that guy. <laughs> He is watch. He is doing this whole like I hate to see him go, but I love to watch him leave. <laughs> love, to, love to watch him walk away. Yeah, it's really just like uh, he's in the reflection of the sunglasses. Fucking silk. Totally. Yeah. The, so the British people starve on the streets of London as propaganda tells them to hand over all weapons. But one man won't. Bill Bloody Savage hoped up in a transport cafe. <laughs> a Which group I of guess. Men- yeah, just weird. Living it up. He's got kind of a weird futuristic kind of TV as well, I should mention. Oh, yeah. It's it's an egg TV. It's, yeah. So a group of men led by a lieutenant bursts in to try to get the drop on Bill. But Savage was ready and gets the drop on them instead. This is the worst way to invite someone to your rebellion. Absolutely. <laughs> the lieutenant is Peter Silk with the resistance. He wants to recruit Bill. But Bill says no dice. God. Suddenly, a Vogue and patrol arrives, and Savage lets loose with his shotgun, wiping out those Vogues. <laughs> after taking out a resistance man to, um, sorry, yeah, sorry, after a punching resistance man tries to take his shooter, um, the breaks his shotgun. fingers in the shotgun. It's excellent. He does agree to, to join the resistance since they ain't much cop. He commandeers their car, and in the end, it's him taking them to the resistance HQ, uh, much to the horror of the boss, the brigadier. Uh, and then just snap to uh, child base. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. In Prog 4, we get a full page floor plan of the British resistance base. I don't think anything ever comes of this place, but it is a lot of fun, Fox. I love oh this multi use tank and, eleva- and a jet elevator, the last <laughs> resort revenge missiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also some a cipher here that uses the, uh, the code red uh, booklet that we'll talk about a little later in the episode. But this time, the. Uh, it decodes to say that this page will is treated with a special chemical, so if there's nerve gas present, it will change colors. Don't doubt on that. Don't uh, don't count on that, Fox. <laughs> I, I remember when we were first going through this, you had mentioned like this is what a child would kind of draw. Oh and yeah, and then just like that, the living quarters is just the smallest part. Yeah, of the smallest part complex. is the barracks. No bathrooms. No like mess facilities. <laughs> it's just. Large rooms for different kinds of guns and vehicles. <laughs> um, sorry. In the base, the brigadier is putting Savage in command of a band of, of roughneck resistance volunteers. Savage is well chuffed about it, but demands to see everyone's hands. Which, uh, God, this is so weird. Show me your hands. Come on now. It's a weird good. fetish thing. Well, it's just real good class stuff here, because mm. one guy who says he's a minor, his hands are clean as a whistle. He's a bloody spy. <laughs> Could just be that he lotions normally, you know? No one lotions in the mines in the <laughs> 70s, Fox. You sound like an idiot. <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh. I got the black lung, Pop. <laughs> oh, so- yeah. You just got to pour the lotion down your throat, son. Oh, my God. The spy takes the brigadier hostage and moves the elevator to escape. So Savage borrows a oh. dock worker's dock hook and uses it to ride up the bottom of the elevator as <laughs> so, it goes up after them. So stupid. <laughs> then climbs aboard and hooks the spy in the neck. All right. Oh. It's, uh, <laughs> he, it's real graphic. Definitely kills that dude. He upgrades his shooter from double barrel to pump action. Very uh, Legend of Zelda here. Just getting that up, that minor upgrade. <laughs> 
And then he and the rest of the Roughnecks ride out, assaulting a Vogan checkpoint as he goes. The mad dogs have been let loose. Oh, my God. Hashtag who let the dogs out. <laughs> woof, 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 woof. <laughs> A savage ain't nothing without his double-barreled shotgun. <laughs> well, uh, yippee-i-o. Stop it. All right. Bill Savage's <laughs> resistance group, the Mad Dogs, are on the loose and running amok. They're taking out checkpoints and rallying the citizens. Some Vogan cycle cops come after him. Oh, man. But Savage takes them out by dropping a bomb wrapped in a jacket out and dropping it at the back of the van because the evil Vogue's like, oh, that's one of his guys. Let's run them over. But then it's a bomb, so they actually blow up because of it instead. <laughs> You know that they're bad cycle cops because they just ran over a bunch of citizens chasing after them. I, yeah, listen, they're 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 good in like a quality sense. They're high quality evil motorcycle cops. <laughs> you know what? That's what's that's, important. That's, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah, come on, you know these Vulcans, man. They're evil. <laughs> <laughs> So the Mad Dogs roll right in the middle of Trafalgar Square, and Savage gives a rousing speech. Then one of his boys rigs Nelson's column to explode <laughs> and brings it down in a Vulcan tank squadron. It's excellent. It's just, yep, great. Check. I, Moving I on. I figure, figure old Nelson would have liked to have been destroyed this way. The squad rides out, the Isle of Dogs in the middle of the Thames. It's actually a peninsula. And set up camp. <laughs> <laughs> the mad dogs are gonna make the Vogues pay for their invasion, Fox. Oh, this is uh I mean invasion. What what more can you say? I I you know when, I was gonna say when we were talking about doing this, I think you were worried that like invasion would lose something on a reappraisal. What oh. do you what what do you think about like jumping back in these first five progs? Oh, it's fucking fantastic. I forgot how just snappy the fucking comic was back mm -hmm. then. Like they're like, listen, we've gotta get four pages to six pages of this man shooting a shotgun at some Vulcans. Yep. And uh man, they do not uh they they really don't lose sight of that goal. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, well especially with these sort of more episodic uh 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 uh, uh, uh sections mm -hmm. where there's not like where they don't have to recap much of what's happened before. They can just kind of say like, "Oh yeah, the British Isles have been invaded. Bill Savage is fighting back." And then they can just kind of get right to the new story. Exactly. We want to see this man scream and shoot people with a shotgun. Just that, all these iconic images of just Savage, like, like shouting as he blasts people. That's going to be... I, I love that that's in, like, the first or second prog, because it'll just be... It's the it's the defining characteristic of Invasion for all of its run. It truly is. I, I'm just like, ugh, it's so nice to be back. I It has lost nothing. It is still an amazing comic. That's awesome. And hey, speaking of going back in time, Fox... Oh. <laughs> That's right. Yeehaw. <laughs> Thrill to flesh. Ah, oh, speaking of, like, there's so much meat on these bones. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? <laughs> Script robot Pat Mills and Ken Armstrong and Studio Giolitti, art robots, boy and Roman Solo, letting robot Bill Nuttall. I, I guess I should mention, actually, that I, I, I might say it again in the Nerve Center, but uh, the idea of 2000 AD is that Tharg's the editor and then... All the writers and artists are robots. He's also built to uh, yeah. to create these stories. So instead of just saying like writer artist, I say art robot and and script robot because that's mm. sort of the 
whatever term of art in 2000 AD for this stuff. <laughs> anyway, I'm not sure about the exact origins of Flesh Fox, but to me, it seems like a, a, a direct result of polling the kids of, of today. <laughs> like, you got to remember at this point, 2000 AD is very much meant for six to 12 year olds. Mm-hmm. And I could totally imagine a kid in 1976 being like, oh, I like cowboys and I like dinosaurs. Do something like that. And <laughs> Nils just being like, okay, fine. We'll just put some time travel in there. It's fine. <laughs> Cowboys versus dinosaurs is both a novel and an obvious concept. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that leads to the truly ridiculous tales of cowboys roping and driving herds of dinos in the Jurassic period. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's just fun to talk about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. By the 23rd century, Fox, most animals have been destroyed and the desire for real meat among the populace is overwhelming. So, a bunch of cowboys have been sent to the distant past to harvest that sweet, sweet flesh. Mmm. Fucking Earl- pterodactyl meat. Gotta. Yeah, it tastes like chicken, I guess. Um, <laughs> Earl Ray <laughs> Or something. <laughs> Earl Reagan is the boss of a dino drive moving a herds of styracosauruses to a stock to the stockyard. Mm. Things are going good when suddenly a bunch of T-Rexes appear. Oof, no good. They're so yeah. slimy in the mouth. Definitely. Luckily, the rangers are ready to keep the herd safe. That night, they set up camp, and while they keep the Rexes away, we see a dude named Maverick get eaten by a Phobosuchus, a giant ancient crocodile. Oh, man. I love that just within the first three pages, a man gets wholly devoured by a giant monster. right up. Maverick's blood sends the nearby T-Rexes into a frenzy. They attack! Earl's best buddy, and possibly more, as we'll see, mm. like, I don't know, maybe a couple years from where we are in the, in the future, Fox. Um, Joe blasts the head off one of the T-Rex, which sends it into a frenzy. It's <laughs> so like a chicken great. that's had its head cut off, so it still kind of runs around like that a little bit afterwards. <laughs> it's so graphic. Like, its head is just gone. There's very, like, I've I, I've talked about this a little bit, but there seems like... A s- various violent situations where they have more and less worry about censorship. Yeah. Like, the thing they censor the most is human-on-human violence in color. Like, there's almost never violence in those situations. Like, they can do some human-on-human violence in black and white, and that's fine. But, like, man-on-beast violence or man-on-monster oh, yeah. violence and mo- monster-on-man violence free range in black and white. <laughs> they could do whatever they want. You know, in 20 Prague, Shaco can just eat a man's head open like a can opener. Oh, that's right. <laughs> like, whatever. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Rexes get into the herd and a giant stampede breaks out. Joe's in trouble, so Earl leaps onto the, re- the leader of the Styracosaurus herd, and whips st- it in the face, and directs <laughs> it over a cliff. <laughs> Smacking it in the fucking eye. Yeah, listen, Earl Reagan hates eyes, Fox. We all know this. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the next day, they arrive at the Trans Time base for the dinos to be slaughtered and sent to the and sent to the future. The cowpokes are kind of disturbed by this, and Earl warns they're taking so many animals from this era it'll drive the predators mad with hunger. But, you know, nobody's going to make Earl Reagan extinct. No. <laughs> so I guess, like, even though there's this likely looming problem, fuck it, right? I like how the worry is about the food supply in the past and not, like, worry about butterfly effects and time paradoxes uh, nah, or anything man. like that. 
that, that uh, you know you don't <laughs> that think that stuff about is that apparently stuff. not real <laughs> nope fuck it yeah at trans time hq we see a giant dino get dropped into a flesh dozer but then something goes wrong and a man oh gets crushed her 10 tons of dino flesh uh, just so much death just immediately because then another man gets <laughs> again fucked. goes to help him but he gets caught by the dozer and soon he's reduced to ground round oh it's a real upton sinclair in the past just, kind of situation I, you know i just don't i like whatever machine that they built for this it's just a bunch of stabby parts that seem to just be spinning around constantly. yeah no it's ba- it's basically just just a crane that kind of drops you into like a into like a the the blade level of a platformer game or something like that just <laughs> sure sort of. it's so much of that <laughs> and then just kind of you know i guess a big like cube of meat comes out the other end basically yep just a big old nice box of meat and we see that meat getting shot back to the 23rd century as earl reagan and his team including joe of course heads out they quickly come upon a herd of Alamosauruses. And in reality, Fox Dino Facts, these guys are descendants of the Apatosaurus. They had spiky back and tail ridges, but definitely didn't Ooh. have the huge shark-like teeth they're drawn <laughs> having here. They really uh, they really make them just look like slavering, insane monsters. Yeah, like even the plant eaters have giant man-eating teeth in 2018, basically. Oh. Things are getting rowdy when suddenly the cowpoke spotter plane is attacked by a fleet of pterodons. One of them sweeps down on Joe and lifts him high into the sky. He, But he's going to choke the life out of it. Which, I mean, can you do that? I guess you can. I mean, I feel like you can if you don't worry about what's going to happen after you choke the pterodon <laughs> that, that's flying you to the sky to death, you know? Very true. Some cowpokes in another plane manage to gun down that pterodon, but don't notice the giant T-Rex right behind them. It's sneaky. It's super massive. It just bites him out of the sky. This giant 120-year-old T-Rex is huge and has a huge appetite. And it's got Joe in its jaws. (gasps) Not Joe. Earl Reagan rides up fast and jams an electric goad into the right eye of the beast, blinding her. Joe frees himself and the rest of the cowboys show up and drive the herd of Alamosaurus away towards Carvertown. But that T-Rex ain't dead yet. She's been blinded in one eye, but it's still too tough to kill with just something like that. She's got Reagan's scent in her nostrils, and by God, she'll track him, and old (laughs) one eye will be avenged! Oh, yes, she's back. The strongest female character in all of 2018. (laughs) At least for the first, like, year, year and a half of the Bronx Fox. And she's also the the true protagonist of Flesh, old one eye. Oh, yeah. The hag monster wants blood. <laughs> One eye is tracking her Reagan, leading her pack of T-Rexes. Her brain is kitten-sized, but full of hate. <laughs> just just like Conrad's ex-girlfriend. Oh! oh. <laughs> I don't even... I guess it depends yeah. on the kitten, really. I don't know. Oh. Um, meanwhile... Reagan and his rangers arrive at Carver City with their herd of Alamosaurs, but just Earl and the injured Joe actually go inside because that city's a no-good hive of scum and villainy. And, oh man, uh, this (laughs) robo-sheriff. Very good. Apparently, Carver got rich off of Trail Bosk and retired to found this settlement. Retired to the past. It's got a dome and everything. You've got a robo-sheriff. Turn over your guns. And then they head to the saloon and try to sober up the town doctor who's all drunken sitting there. Mm. Um, It seems Joe's been poisoned by the T-Rex bite. Yeah, okay. 
The only cure is to get a gland from a living T-Rex's throat yeah, and then inject okay. the gland fluid into Joe. Okay. That seems like slime garbage science, but, you know, let's do that. Why does it have to be from a living T-Rex? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't they just, like, have a bunch of that on hand? Cowards, I guess. But um, anyhow, um, you know. Car- Claw Carver ain't gonna like this And suddenly the man himself arrives Starts fighting Earl for bringing a man with a plague Into uh. his town Although luckily these plague elements aren't played up Because that'd be real rough in our current uh, Coronavirus <laughs> oh. quarantine state um, The fight goes out into the streets And the sheriff accidentally cracks the dome Shooting a gun into the air Just to kind of get people to, uh. to cool out That's why you don't get robo-sheriffs, man And that allows the once again Surprisingly sneaky old one-eye To crack the dome open and attack the town who's also just larger than the dome <laughs> she's yeah well i mean she's got like like shack like the aforementioned shacko she's got this uh comic book monster power where she's as big as she needs to be for the current situation <laughs> be it 10 feet tall or like 50 feet tall like she yeah, is sure here. earl pulls his knife he's getting that gland the hard way oh my god <laughs> Hard ticket to Gland Ammy, buddy. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> Why? You know, having That's a laugh. Fan- it's fantastic. <laughs> the oh, T-Rex are ripping up the city, including the robot sheriff, as Earl continues to hack at old one-eye, taking advantage of his blind side to snag that gland. <laughs> I, You know, I'm very impressed with, like, his ability to know where that gland am. I guess he just, I guess you kind of just kind of cut a hole and reach around so you get, I mean, you find the right piece. But what's a gland in there, right? Like, that's fair. There's going to be a bunch of stuff inside. So all I'm saying is clearly he's got a good grasp of that T Ran anatomy. Must, yeah. (laughs) Tyrannomy? Tyrannanatomy. Ah, yeah. It's too hard to say out loud. <laughs> but he does manage to grab it as the T Rex destroys the saloon. At the doctor's office, that gland is jammed right into Joe, and he should oh. get well soon. Oh my god! Just he and just <laughs> sticks. He's just putting goo inside of him. So I just get don't know. this gland up in you, son. <laughs> uh, besides T Rexes, there's other dinosaurs getting in here. There's some uh, terrible oh, yeah. claws, which we we'd call raptors these days, mm-hmm. and pterodons also enter to Carver City, start killing everybody, including including each other. The city has Ugh. fallen, and Carver attacks Earl. Like you brought the birds, you're evil. Uh, <laughs> Earl kicks Claw in the face and calls the troops. <laughs> we got to get some fires going to scare off these dinos. Claw agrees, but will kill Earl when it's over. Man, you know, I always start my truces with a boot to the face. I mean, you know, one last boot just to show you mean it, then it's truce time, buddy. <laughs> sort of. I don't know. That feels familiar to me. Uh, so my my love of flesh is well known. I feel like I, know, I invoke yeah, you're, this. You're a huge flesh fan, buddy. I, I know mean, that for sure. It's still good. How are you feeling about reading flesh again? Um, I really love, you know, I mean, honestly, just this scenario is so ridiculous <laughs> that it's just a lot of fun. I'd love to play uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, but with dinosaurs, oh, Fox. my God. Why it hasn't happened yet is beyond I mean, me. It, again, like, <laughs> everything about cowboys and dinosaurs, it seems wrong. But once you actually get into it, it's so right. <laughs> it's like, why has this never happened before? Yeah. I will say um, a big change I really noticed um, reading things more closely for this recap versus my mm-hmm. original recap was I think – 
in the first in our first episode, I sort of alluded over the fact that Earl Reagan was the one that put out Old One Eye's Eye, um, and he did, and so that's sort of what started this whole plot in motion. Right. So uh, she, that's has, she has his scent in her nostrils. Exactly. So that's been something I've been bummed that I have that I didn't you know that that, that I didn't say then. So I'm happy to get a chance to go back and, Hell and correct yeah. that error. I'm glad we're back in the past now. Just you and me, some past boys. It's so, all this stuff is so ridiculous. I, you know, I don't know. Everybody's got their moment. But for me, there is something about these dawn of, dawn of 2000 AD thrills that are just so ridiculous oh. and just like, let's go, blah, blah, blah. They just, like, <laughs> they just give so few fucks. Exactly. Hey, speaking of not caring about anything, fuck. Oh my God, the ultimate nihilist. Thrill three, Dan Dare. <laughs> Dan Dare doesn't let's, give a shit, buddy. Let's let's commit some space crimes and not really Seriously. care about the consequences. <clears throat> Script robot Pat Mills, Ken Armstrong, and Kevin Gosnell. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot Bill Nuttall and Jack Potter. So this story is new, Fox, but Dan Dare mm-hmm. has a long pedigree in British comics. The character debuted in the original Eagle comic in 1950 and stuck around to the late 60s when Eagle merged into Lion. But he's probably been so so so, so he's probably been out of print for like five years by the time 2008 starts. Uh, still very much an old school sort of character. One your dad would know, but you wouldn't mm. really, I guess, if if you're the target audience. So like a Flash Gordon or something like that, I sure. guess. Still, Dan's pedigree earns him the center pages of the prog here at the start, which is great oh, because yeah. it showcases Massimo Bellardinelli's amazing art. I mean, the psychedelic insanity that he, <laughs> he Absolutely. Does. Ugh. Biogs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The space... Freighter Sirius is on its way to a museum on the moon when it passes by Jupiter and some kind of terrifying monster comes out of the gas giant's red spot. They're getting sucked in. Oogie tendrils. It's real bad. They must be giant as well. This is of scale space. Um, The crew rushes to a scapecraft as the ship is is ripped apart. It's pretty terrifying and the ship is destroyed as we see a bunch of crewmen just getting sucked out into space. Like there's all these bodies in the wreckage of the destroyed ship. It's it's really really, uh, scary. Getting funneled into the planet too. It's just real gross. Dan Dare is the only survivor as he and Ugh, he sees something he strange and alien in that red spot. Yeah, indeed. Flying Dutchman. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> six solar units later, Dan is picked up by a rescue ship and taken to the Solar Astronautical Space Administration. Sasa. Oh man, um, I do love me a Sasa. Sasa, Sasa. Sasa, um, mm. where the fleet controller is, um, where he meets the fleet controller who is pretty pissed off. He calls Dan crazy and relieves him of duty <laughs> pending a court martial. He's not entirely wrong. I mean, listen, one of the many cases where, in fact, the authority figures are totally justified in telling this loose can that doesn't play by the rules, that he's got to <laughs> cut that shit out. <laughs> you got a lot of people killed by flying near that dumb spot. Yeah. Dan says, drock it, and goes into business for himself. Ugh. He fights his way aboard the Galaxy-class cruiser Odyssey and stows away. He'll be out of the airlock when he's caught. And oh, I do man. really like how Bellarmine really managed to sneak an art credit here onto the final page of the story. Oh, yeah. So you, know, you know he's there. He's working. So there's a stowaway on board. It's Dan Dare. Find and destroy. Oh, man. 
on the M.C. Escher beehive of the Odyssey, Dan's quickly spotted and decides again to drop it and fight the and fight a bunch of space guards. He punches him in the face, knocks him down, and then just disintegrates him in cold blood. It's ridiculous. It's, it's really horrible. Two of his buddies show up and he disintegrates them. Like, get out of here, you goo. In oh. the ship control room, <laughs> Mr. Monday, the ship's commander, and seven foot tall, white, you know, a pale white skinned fifth generation Martian asks about Dare as the man himself appears and explains the situation. The red spot of Jupiter has some kind of crazy alien mojo in it. We got to check it out. And once again, someone's like, bitch, what? No. Yeah, That's Monday, crazy talk. Whose hair is perfect is not oh, impressed man. when suddenly the whole ship is hit by a wave of energy from Jupiter and some weird alien starts to materialize aboard the ship. Future shocks continue. Ah, gross. <laughs> he's got that a little strength- in the middle of his face, you know? Yeah, he's got very Zoidberg kind of thing. <laughs> like combo of Zoidberg and the mouth that Rick and Morty characters make when they're sort of oh, when their yeah. faces are at rest, you know? Yeah. Like that, when their lips go vertical or whatever. Oh, it's so weird. Um, yeah. There's a, um, a strange creature appears aboard the Odyssey, throttles a crewman. Um, another crewman goes to shoot it, but Dan Dare says, no, oh, now you don't want to shoot people. I see how it goes. <laughs> no, this one we've got to capture because it's so far been completely impenetrable to everything that we do. It tosses the crewman as Dan advances to take it alive, moves in fast, grabs one of the monster's antenna, and that just makes it, like, pass out, I guess. It's kind of got video game rules here. It's got that weak spot. Yeah, it's like that spot on uh, on a lady that whenever you touch it, they go limp. Whoa. I know. We gotta talk after the show. Um <laughs> Later, Dan and uh, Dan and Monday meet with Lady Doctor Ziggy Rodan. the uh, The creature has been genetically modified. It's got solar panels on its on its stomach, like a common Care Bear. Um, we're dealing with a creature not of ordinary flesh and blood. Uh, I mean, yeah, probably not. It's from a different planet. Nah. They resolve to investigate Jupiter and dare Monday and a bunch of red shirts get aboard <laughs> a shark, a specialized high gravity atmosphere resistance craft. To check out the red spot on Jupiter. It's so, super hot. Yeah, good. Uh, I was going to say, like, so Mr. Monday is like, this is so important that I have to go. And I'm like, yes. aren't you the guy who runs the ship? You know, he's operating on Star Trek, on a, sorry, Star Trek, the original series rules, Fox. That's true. Where if there's a, a planet to go to that could be dangerous, you've got to send the top three ranking members of, of the ship, you know? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, very replaceable. Because what if there's like mind control worms down there and like Khan's got a plan? Well, you better send the captain and the first officer, buddy. <laughs> God. Oh, Burn on Star off. Trek 2, Fox. All right. Yeah, nuclear vessels, buddy. Oh. <laughs> so they head heading down. It's incredibly hot and high pressure, but their force field should protect them, right? Wrong! Suddenly they're hit by a radio storm and the ship goes out of control. I know. All they just get is a bunch of like, you know, 1920s through 1930s doo-wop and crooning music just slamming into them. Oh, it's been out there the whole time. (laughs) Attacking people on Jupiter. (laughs) The shark is rocketing toward the surface of Jupiter, but Dan Dare is a badass and flies it in on manual to safety. Because he can just do that. Yeah, whatever. He's good, I guess. They managed to survive on the surface? 
of Jupiter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Seems to make sense in the universe that this is from. I mean, it's like molten mercury or metal. Metal, but then yeah, like crystalline, crystallized titanium. titanium. It's weird because, yeah. all right, like titanium isn't crystallized at room temperature. I don't think it's just kind of a rock. Yeah, but do you think it'd be? I don't know. Whatever. Um, they land. They put on their spacesuits, and everybody's got their name written on theirs, including Dan Dares. Maybe brought it from home or something. I'm not clear <laughs> on what's happening here. <laughs> Um, oh god no i forgot this is a highly important thing i'm so do you sorry in a later dan dare story where they like have to sneak up on people so they painted, they painted their black. spacesuits black but they still had they names still names. written on their helmets in white like they did negative name drawing <laughs> on the on the suits oh it's fan my favorite part of this whole setup is mr monday's like listen we've got to adjust our helmets uh visors so that we can see in jupiter's uh hydrohelium atmosphere and it's just this flap on the side of the fucking helmet and there's just a series of buttons the one of which yeah. he's pressing is hydrohelium it's good so is there only yeah. like five different types of atmosphere <laughs> I mean, if only five you're going to see generally, you know, <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> All right. Listen, if there's a sixth atmosphere, I don't want to see on that planet because it's too weird. All right? <laughs> this isn't weird enough. No. Uh, oh, Let's go get sucked in a tube. Yeah, crewman Logan finds a weird power source, but that causes his suit to fail, and drop it, he gets crushed into a dot! Ah, uh, real gross. And I like how uh, we see the state, like the Wolfman-style transformation of him going from man to dot. But there's like a Thark <laughs> note saying, this is slowed down so you can see it. In fact, he would have just dotted up real fast in real life. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, the crew looks and sees giant space bugs floating around the place. <laughs> While aboard the Odyssey, that weird alien wakes up and attacks Ziggy Rodan. Oh, man. But this is why you got to pay attention to the patient and not just talking to your tricorder all day. Ain't that like a lady space wow. doctor? Not pain. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to bring the sexism that I feel like is inherent to this. Throat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to our, uh, to whatever, to oh, the rest of it. It's there. <laughs> the surface of Jupiter is full of weird blobby alien kind of guys. They got they're a changing. front hole. They've got side holes. Yeah, they're changing color and being huge jerks. Dan says to draw pistols and one of them attacks. Eaten Trooper French alive. Oh, no. <laughs> it's heading for Darren Monday, but the two of them think fast and just throw a giant shard of crystal <laughs> titanium down its gullet, causing it to explode. It really just seems like maybe that crystallized titanium is not a good thing to have in your body. Not really. The explosion knocks them out, and in the interval, they have been swallowed. No, oh, whoops. <laughs> seems, they see the body of Officer French, and it seems Mr. he died French. of terror. But our guys are okay, but being transported in the, to an alien base in this thing's gullet. I mean, there's so much inference there. How do they know that they're just not getting eaten? <laughs> but slowly, they're in kind of a kind of a sarlacc pit situation or something yeah. like that. I mean, they're, they're traipsing around in goo. It's probably stomach goo. Maybe they can, t maybe like when you're a future space officer, they kind of teach you the difference between the digestion goo and transport and goo or something. <laughs> you know, it's an intergalactic empire, buddy. Like there must be at least one other species that transports I mean, you in its stomach. I will say that they did say things like space college. Uh, 
<laughs> in reference, like, didn't they teach you anything in space college? And I'm like, what? Oh, what, it's a college in space, buddy. Come on. Uh, no, I know. It's just. Oh. You take some space classes. You go to a space kegger. It's the, it's the lifestyle. Oh. <laughs> just everything that happens in space gets the prefix. Obviously. It's <laughs> what a space, else would you put on there? It's a space cat reserve. Preserve. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Why? It's, a, it's exactly the wrong question, man. Why not? Oh, you, you've outfoxed me, Fox. <laughs> True to your name. <laughs> Back aboard the Odyssey, the alien has taken Ziggy hostage, and in English, is demanding control of the ship. Ziggy tells the crew to let her die, but they are wimps and thus surrender. <laughs> and now the alien is taking the ship to rendezvous with his masters, Ugh. the Biogs. Oh, God. I just, I can't wait till we get to the screaming axe. Oh, the living axe? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That thing's, that thing's real dumb. <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked for it. That thing's cool. Yeah. It's like a living axe. I'd, I'd mod that into my favorite. Uh, I, I put that in Skyrim, buddy. Come on, like an axe oh. that you have. And it kind of got like some, like a kind of like, I was like, yeah, like a little pet, like yeah. doing idle animations and stuff. It's awesome. I mean, it's got a mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh. Ridiculous. So how are you feeling about Dan Dare here, Fox? I feel like this very much mirrors our original... Or no, actually, I feel like we're, we're, we're more up on it than we were the original one. <sighs> I really hated Dan Dare I mean, in those early days. It's it's true, mostly because it was just like, what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, after after you watch Dan... Like, what eventually becomes of him? Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm bringing a lot... Bringing a lot of Dan Dare battle action play says set back to these early frogs, <laughs> basically. You know, this is like this is the quaint time before the planet destroying bombs. I definitely, oh, and, if you're just starting the, with the and Joker, you, yeah, <laughs> you might want to jump ahead to our Dan Dare collect our Dan Dare collection, mm -hmm. which just has this section that we call battle action play set, which is very much just <laughs> Dan Dare and a crew of ne'er do wells sort of traveling the galaxy, getting into fights, basically. Oh it's man, real Saturday morning cartoon type stuff. It's pretty fun. Making movies, singing songs, and fighting around the space. <laughs> <laughs> They fight an evil empire called the Star Slayers. Fox. Oh, it's, it's re that's like the opening playset. Absolutely, yeah. Just oh a, my god! And he has a star on his helmet that he can shoot. You can shoot that. <laughs> Listen, you can buy that as like a special like helmet for you to wear, but like, oh, it oh, makes wow. itself into toys, Fox. It really does. <laughs> it's so perfect. And, yeah, so you and, know, I'm okay on Dan Dare. I guess. Yeah, it's fine. I feel like I've I've turned the corner on a little bit as well. And and speaking of toys that young kids might enjoy, Fox. Oh man, our namesake. <laughs> yeah, non thrills, covers, nerve center, and gifts. Ooh, Prague one, two thousand AD. It's only eight pence. Yeah, cover date February twenty sixth, nineteen seventy seven. Price eight pence. In the UK, 30 pence, 30 cents in South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, and Rhodesia, 8 cents in Malta, $1 in Malaysia, and 17 groats on Mercury in orbit every Saturday. Damn. Featuring the new Dandare, Mach 1, the Space Age Dinosaurs of Flesh, and a warning that Great Britain has been invaded. Ooh. 
in the center of this uh, pro- of this first um, cover page is a giant whooshing cyclone where the original red space spinner would have been. It's like a frisbee. Beautiful. It's the it's the most perfect toy ever devised by man. I'd love to get one someday, Fox. Oh, like yeah. if I had a if I had a three D printer, the first thing I would get would be it would be like my own homemade space spinner. Although and we'd put an our actual, logo like in the middle. Absolutely, and then like an authentic one would be the bee's knees. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, inside we, we get a bunch of previews of the thrills um, in, in the launch prog: Harlem Heroes, Flash, Invasion, Mach One, and Dan Dare. Plus, there's a preview of next progs. Biotronic Man stickers. <laughs> I should say all these gifts are a big part of British comics. Like there'd be extra little things like toys or like sometimes mm. candy or stickers or other things like that. Um, Get you usually to buy them. A, Yeah, a, a way to goose sales for a specific comic or something. Mm. Like in uh, in his book, to, uh, The Mighty One, a long time 2008 editor, uh, uh Steve McManus says that the better the toy that gets um, included in a comic, the worse that comic is doing. Wow, really? <laughs> like, like if they put the potato gun in your comic, it means you're on hard times. <laughs> um, and counterpoint, that's why like 2000 AD, like we have this big rush of gifts, like a space spinner and then stickers and then a survival wallet all in the first three progs. But then after that, there's almost no gifts. Like, there's, it's very rare for 2080 to mm. give stuff away. Because it doesn't need to because it's selling well, basically. It's oh. perfect. <clears throat> yeah. Where am I? Okay. Mid-prog, Tharg makes his first appearance explaining that King's Reach Tower is actually a spaceship and demanding that readers send in <laughs> letters and drawings for rewards of two pounds with one letter a picture a week getting 10 pounds or 20 or 100 galactic groats, respectively, whichever you want. Mm-hmm. There's also an ad for a new character in Prague 2 called Judge Dredd, about which much more later in this and every episode of Space Spinner 2000. <laughs> oh, boy. He was so much skinnier back then. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, we're going to – like, let, let's talk about that. But, yeah, the, the mm. evolution of Dredd is really apparent w- when you go back in time. Prague 2. Aye! It's the thing from the hell planet. <laughs> Massimo Bellinelli draws this biog monster thing on part of the cover, but most of it's taken up by the free gift inside Biotronic Man stickers. They apparently were very hard to remove from human skin, oh. but m- may make you run faster or punch harder. Um, actually, in a, in a recent episode uh, where, a, where a Pete Wells came on and talked about um, – the 1989 sci-fi special. He talks about being a kid and putting those stickers on his legs and thinking he actually did run faster. Right. That his brother put him on his arms and going to the hospital because he tried to punch wall. Oh, no. It's awesome. Um, mid prog Tharg appears to once again demand letters and pictures, teases the prog 3 gift, the Red Alert survival wallet, complete with code wheel. Ooh. Prog 3, shoot me, boss. Don't let it eat me alive. The (laughs) traditional 2080 plea for a mercy killing on this flesh (laughs) cover by Roman Solo. Oh, man. (laughs) More often than you'd think. Again, a lot of this cover is taken up by the Red Alert Survival Wallet. Though I noticed that the mention of the new Dan Dare is missing from this cover. It had been in the previous ones. Hmm. 
After Invasion, we learn about the Red Alert wallet. It's got a code wheel, a security pass for you and your chums. Um, I managed to decode, or sorry, I somehow managed to decode all these messages the first time we went through, Fox, but I don't know how I did it, and I've lost the ability to do so. Um, so if I got these wrong, it's based on my previous uh, research or something. But the message in Prague 3 is death to the invaders. Also, Fox, I used a website to generate code names for us and okay. our resistance cell. So you you are a good knight. That's knight with a K. Ooh. And I'm the kind, and I'm kind Cobra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rad. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Mid, uh, Mid-Prog, we go to Tharg's Nerve Center as a sub-editor Mark IV in a snappy suit and umbrella is disintegrated for, spell- for a spelling error. Whoa. There's also a brief explanation for several sci-fi words, including laser, black hole, nuclear fusion, and okay. tyrannosaur. <laughs> I love, um, like, you can really tell, like, I don't know, like, or there's a period where where people made a big deal that laser was an acronym, and I feel like that's fallen away in the ensuing years, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, Prog 4, better than superheroes, we've got hyperheroes. Oh, it's uh, burned. Burn on superheroes. And Carlos <laughs> Escara draws a guy named Logan getting cut, getting squashed to a dot by, uh, by, by Jupiter's gravity. So they're also just saying, fuck you, Wolverine. Oh <laughs> superheroes are lame. <laughs> Probably not, but that's my headcanon, I guess. Yeah, sure. We get a half prog nerve center mid prog, uh, or half page nerve center with Thar growing to giant size in front of King's Reach Tower, which we'll see much more later. There's also an ad to join the Air Training Corps and learn to shoot oh, a gun. All get right, get in here, kids. The prog ends with a pretty excellent advertisement oh, for Trans Time Flesh. It's I the love real this. thing. Yeah, Tender art by Kevin O'Neill here. Full flavor. Just all these commercials for for Bronto burgers, flesh flans, even a party pack of various dino meats. Oh my god, my favorite thing is just that it's lifting this fucking Stegosaurus or whatever it or uh, Triceratops into just a fucking knife filled jaw. <laughs> Absolutely, you get boots made out of Triceratops skin, man. It's crazy. Oh, that's pretty rad. I like. Uh, I like. That they also save, like, each of the delicious parts. There's the check, the T-bone, the rump, the silver side, the flank, and the brisket. All nice and labeled for you. They use everything but the dino soul. <laughs> the comic... So, Prog 5, the comic of tomorrow, today. And Dred's on his bike going up against a giant cyborg ape drawn by Barry Mitchell. Excellent times. Oh, my God. Sometimes you just got to shoot a laser into his little chest area. No choice but to shoot that giant ape. <laughs> But as a giant cyborg ape, Fox. I mean, it is a robotic ape. I don't... It's not a cyborg. Oh, fair enough, I guess. But uh, speaking but of cyborgs... Call it a cyborg, I guess. On the topic of cyborgs, Fox. Oh, God. Acupuncture cyborgs. It's oh. Thrill 4 Mach 1. Before he got super racialist. It's It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Script robot Pat Mills and Robert, and Robert Flynn... Uh, okay. And Nick Allen, art robot Ennio and Ian Kennedy, as well as Massimo Bellinelli, leg robot Bill Nuttall, Jack Potter, and Tony pa- and Tony Parker. Man, activated by CompuPuncture hyperpower. <laughs> Such a mouthful. Mach 1 is clearly influenced by the TV show Six Million Dollar Man, so feel free to add in mental like sounds when needed as Mach 1 does things. 
Um, interestingly to me, at least Mach 1 is was the most popular story in 2000 AD for several months at the start of the comic. Jesus. Um, at least until eventually um, time went by and Judge Dredd wrenched that position away. I just, like, I still don't get that given the fucking invasion and flesh. It's it's ridiculous, you know. They like that Steve Austin, and so they got he's got that reflected six million dollar man energy, you know. Stone Cold? No, this is the, the earlier Steve Austin. I wish, man. You kidding? <laughs> that would be great. Nineteen seventy six, twelve year old Steve Austin walking through. <laughs> if you if you want to see me punch some terrorists and nerve gas planes in the face, give me a hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, fixing to swim this water at 40 miles an hour, what? <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Punching through walls. It's Secret Agent John Probe. He's hyped up on com- on computer-powered acupuncture and cannot be stopped. Yeah, you let's also him- put, like, a computer in his brain. <laughs> Always. We see him go through the process, taking several months of full-body needle insertion. <sighs> then computer circuits are printed directly onto his skull. He's Mach 1. Uh, yeah, all of this is necessary. Don't worry about it. Well, if you don't put the computer on there, then he just becomes kind of a Hulk like Mach 0. But more about that later, you know. Oh, um, man, that's right. Oh, Mach 0. Mm, eventually, it's time for John to go into action as terrorists have attacked an RAF base in Coatesdale. And instead of sending a commando unit, probes taking them on himself. Hey, sure. He's in 45% of his power. He jump kicks through a door and beats the baddies to custard. He wonders what he's become with the computer vice in his head. Says not to worry about it, baby. Um, <laughs> lead terrorist tries to escape on a motorbike, but probe powers up and runs up to catch uh, him. Not just a motorbike. All right. What what, what oh, kind of motorbike was that, is well, it? Sorry, it's a Triumph Trident. <laughs> oh, thank you, buddy. Sorry, spe- no, I, I'd make the note. They specifically call it out, which is the weirdest thing to me. It's like some dude kind of gushing over a motorcycle and riding. I mean, it is something we'll see in the course of Mach 1. Like, I don't know if you remember, but there's that one story in a couple months where he, like, travels through um, Eastern, like, he travel, he drives through all of Europe on this, like, fancy car. Like, oh, it's, yeah. It's British built, and we see him, like, driving real fast and outrunning all the other sports cars and stuff. Ugh. Like, there's some knowledge of, like, there's a lot of vehicle knowledge going on in these mm. pages. Um, but, yeah, he, he catches this guy, and the, te- um, but, but, but the mission isn't over yet, as the terrorists are just the distraction for the real objective, a <laughs> bomber full of nerve gas bound to destroy London. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. They just want to crash it right in there, too. They're not going to work that hard at it. I don't care. The terrorist dies, but Probe has an idea. He climbs aboard a Nimrod jet and then jumps out of the bomb bay doors to jump onto the Vulcan bomber. See, in other words, the brand names of these vehicles, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, you know Ian Kennedy is drawing an episode because it's got a ton of jets like this one does. <laughs> <laughs> Probe lands on the jet and uses his hyper strength to rip a hole in the hull. The terrorists try to shoot him, but he quickly kills or defenestrates the terrorists. Oh, man. Then grabs control of the controls. <laughs> But suddenly he starts seeing ghostly demons. It's the nerve gas messing with his symptoms. Also messing with his symptoms is a third terrorist that hits him on the head with a hammer, you know. <laughs> Which really, come on, man. 
got a hyper concussion. He quickly <laughs> punches that baddie to death, then flies through London, making an, an emergency uh, landing on the Thames mudflaps, probably not too far from the Isle of Dogs in invasion. The Ooh. day is saved, and Mach 1 is ready for real action. So next, uh, Nick Allen is, is on writing and Bellardinelli's drawing with Tony Jacob lettering. A micro battleship is mysteriously sunk in the North Sea, and John Probe, Mach 1, is on the case. Hmm. In full clothes, Probe leaps into the water and investigates a mysterious fishing trawler nearby. The ship is full of armed men and fortified against climbing, so instead Probe dives deep and comes up fast, leaping out of the water like a dolphin. Oh my god. So uh, good. Acupuncture-powered compu-dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out the ship is actually a salvage vessel going after that mini battleship. In response, Probe heads for the engine room, but is then, attacked by a bad guy wearing a power-assisted deep-sea diving suit. I mean, it looks great. He's just a tiny man inside of a larger robot's body. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he's like got a, like, like, a, like 40K up in this piece, you know? He's got a little um, face window. Oh, he's oh, like um, the deep-sea diver. called? The, uh, the squad from, uh, from Judge Dredd. The Hell Diver? Oh, the, no. The Holocaust Squad. Holocaust Squad. Very, very Little reminiscent. Bit, yeah. He's heavily armored and super strong. There seems to be no way for Probe to, to, to beat him until Probe thinks smart and Judo throws the diver onto a power cable, electrocuting him to death. <sighs> pretty rad. Like, pretty, pretty rad. Pretty rad. Probe goes to the engine room, breaks an oil lubrication pipe, <laughs> sending boiling hot wa- uh, oil all over him, and escapes the ship because he's just sort of on fire as he runs and no one can grab him or anything like that. He jumps off the side of the ship while burning alive, and Tharg wisely tells kids to not try this at home. <laughs> please. Please do not set yourself on fire with boiling hot oil. And then jump out of a jump out of a sh- off the side of a ship on into the North Sea. <laughs> Um, the ship, uh, he dives up, uh, uh, so uh, as the ship itself blows up behind him, good job, Probe. I hope he never turns against us. Oh, mm. come on. Next up, in 24 hours, a president <laughs> must die. <laughs> the best opening statement you could hope for in a comic. I love, I love the article in there, Fox. <laughs> a president must die. <laughs> we won't say which one, just any of them will do. Well, in this case, it's the power mad president of Irania. Which mm. makes this one of one of my least favorite Mach One stories, where he's like the force of British imperialism. You know, like listen, uh-huh. we gotta take out this head of state. I mean, this guy doesn't seem like he's democratically elected, but like <laughs> in action, we had a lot of stories like this in Dredger, and there were some elected guys they took out for sure. <laughs> I mean, like you know, he's he's effectively just a drone strike. Dredger once killed a guy on the floor of the Democratic primary <laughs> or of the Democratic convention, Fox. Wearing an Uncle Sam hat. <laughs> I can't stress it enough. Okay. Anyway, that's a choice. At, that's a life choice. Good job. He's Dredger. at customs in Dredger. He's at customs, and he said he's on business, and his business is to kill your president. <laughs> it's so. 
It's like, listen, I can't waste any more time than I need to. I just need to get taken now. Mr. Kill Your Prez. Um, He's quickly oh. arrested and tortured by the evil Colonel Crawl, and then taken to the presidential palace where President Mudar tortures him personally for a bit. But then Mach 1 mocks up. He, kill, he kicks off his chain and karate chops the president to death. <laughs> he says he he said he was gonna. He and said he was gonna, and then he did. He called his shot, Fox. <laughs> Crawl shoots Probe with an elephant rifle, but Probe again uh, mocks up through it, powers up through it, and both men go through a window. Oh, and uh, they just breaks his neck on Crawl. Yeah, breaks his neck in half. Basically, he's oh. out. From there, it's a simple matter of stealing an armored car and driving to freedom. <laughs> Several weeks later, Probe is congratulated by his handler, Sharp. And again, the editors remind us not to try this at home. Fox, don't kill the president of a fictional <laughs> nation and then escape in a stolen car. Well, don't kill the president of a fictional nation. Land on his, like, his torturer's, like, neck as you jump through a yeah. window after getting shot. Then steal an armored car and somehow get home. <laughs> Only do one of those in most Fox. Uh, yeah, I mean, doing all four of them is just going to be so much trouble. Seriously. Pro, so finally, Probe's on vacation in the West Indies, out swimming, swimming faster than speedboats and so forth. Um, when he's approached by an illegal weapons dealer named Otto Brandt to, you know, join join me and we'll do weapons dealing and, like, be Euro trash <laughs> together. <laughs> but, hey, if you say no, I'm going to start shooting all these people like I did. Yeah, John ends up surrendering or surrenders to avoid a massacre from from Otto's goons and is taken to a nearby plane. In the air, the goons start punching him. The probes have had enough of this, so again, mocks up, punches one goon through the fuselage oh, of the plane. So great. And then uses that hole to bail out the side, grabbing a pontoon because it's a seaplane, and uh, like sort of <laughs> hanging onto the side of it there. Otto then tries to drag the pontoon on the ground to like, you know, kill Probe that way, but ends up instead smashing into a oh. lorry, killing those guys. And both he and the drivers aboard go up in a massive explosion. <laughs> so he, I mean, he did just kill, oh no. Did the lorry he definitely kill two innocents? Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Those there were two guys in the truck because you can kind of see like first you see Otto being like, "Oh my God, we're gonna hit," and then you see three <laughs> faces like freaked out, and one's probe, and two are just some random dudes driving that truck. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> Probe's having second thoughts about all this stuff, but the computer's pretty stoked about this successful action. He yeah. bolded. It's embold. He's having a good time. Oh, man. I feel like uh, when Mach 1 gets crazy, it gets real crazy, Fox. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, he jumped I, off of a giant space platform that one time, right? Oh, yeah. He did lots of stuff, man. He jumped off um, an Inca, like an, an, a, a Central American, like, native pyramid that was actually a spaceship. <laughs> and he only survived because he landed in mud that was like a mile deep or something Which, like that. All right, so cushion sure. his fall. Don't try that at home either. But, uh, you know, <laughs> like, these are the Mach 1s that are fun where it's just super spies easily killing people in ridiculous situations. Oh, and um, it's not like Dr. Tiger or whatever his name is. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, like Mach 1 is a real offender for, like, yellow peril stuff. Yeah. As time goes by, he'll fight a lot of, like... Kung Fu guys. I think he punches a Yeti. A, he punches a Yeti <laughs> once. 
he fights at least one like Japanese guy on an yeah. island that's been there since the end of World War II and doesn't know the world. Oh, the war's right. over and stuff. Does a couple things in like the like like not just the Middle East, like Arania, but the Middle East of like um like yes, we wear vests and turbans and have like serving girls and <laughs> like like, like, yeah, like that gets, style of Middle East. It gets real up there, and then the whole time he's just pretending, at least to me, being melancholic about like Oh, like I'm more computer than man. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, well, yeah. Like a, a lot of times when we have these kind of flawed 2000 AD heroes, and I think it might just be because we don't really have the space for them to sure. experience a lot of ennui or whatever. Like <laughs> it's hard to buy them being real depressed about their powers when we also see them punching dudes through the sides of airplanes and stuff. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. And just taking no <laughs> battle damage, just being in general invincible. Yeah. I don't got the pages for on Wii Fox. I don't got the I don't got the space for it. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and um speaking of beauty fox, oh the beauty of future sport. Let's mm-hmm. go to Thrill Five Harlem Heroes. What happens when you mix jet packs and kung fu and basket soccer? The Only best, good thing, buddy. God, it's the best yeah. thing. Get Aeroball. <laughs> Definitely. Script robot Pat Mills and Tom Tully. Art robot Dave Gibbons and Carlos Trigo. Letting robot Dave Gibbons because Dave Gibbons needs that extra paycheck, but he's lettering <laughs> his own shit. Did, I don't know if he, uh, So Tom Tully didn't do a Tom Tully special in any of these, I feel Not like. Not in this one. It's early days yet for us to get that Tom Tully special, <laughs> which is, of course, when the cliffhanger for the story is an ominous hand in the foreground of an image, sometimes through a view screen. <laughs> The view screen's not essential, although nice, but that hand, that hand in the foreground, oh, people yeah. are like, oh, what could be happening? That's, That's the Tom Dr. Tully Claw. special. Oh, yeah. Tom, <laughs> Dr. Claw was invented by Tom Tully, whether he knew it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, this story, like a similar Tom Tully-scribed story in action called Death Game 1999, Harlem Heroes draws a lot of inspiration from the movie Rollerball, likely with some extra help from the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, yeah. Um, Something I've learned recently, Fox, actually, is that uh, Dave Gibbons, along with fellow 2080 artists Carlos Escara, Eric Bradbury, and newcomer Brian Bolland, uh, were all working on a Nigerian comic called Power Man right before oh. 2080 started, which kind of makes for an interesting transition for the African-American protagonists of the mm-hmm. heroes, I think. Like, it sort of seems like, you know, I don't know, he got some reps in doing that or something like that, I guess. Um, so, Fox. Whoa. Ah. The year... <laughs> <laughs> the year is 2050, and Arrowball has swept the world. I it's, mean, truly. Yeah, it's kind of full contact basketball with jetpacks, I guess, and the yep. ball floats. Like, <laughs> that's what you need to know. We see the Harlem heroes beating the stuffing out of the Greek city gladiators. They're winning 7-2. to two. We get some sweet aerial moves as the heroes score a final point and move on to the first round of the world championships. Man, time to do that flying H. Absolutely. Unlike most um, Aeroball teams, the heroes wear minimal armor, which lets them win because they're fast and maneuverable. Mm-hmm. Um, we see them load onto their sweet hover-powered roadliner, but when they head out, the vehicle malfunctions and crashes. Oh, my God. It's horrible. Only four survive. Team leader Giant and team members Harry and Slim with the final survivor who's in a rough spot because... Lewis Mayer is upright in a jar. Oh. 
Lewis Mayer, 555. Don't worry, though. He's going to motivate them to rebuild this squad yet good enough to win the world championships. Man, and later get a sweet robot suit. Oh, yeah. But that, that's not till Inferno, like, until that, that he oh. becomes a brain in a robot suit. That's which I guess so we good. all are, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a meaty robot suit, I guess. Hey, man. A biochemical machine. Live it up. At the Heroes Gym, the surviving heroes are having a full contact workout when a dude with graying hair walks in, takes a few of them out, and scores an air strike or goal. It's an old timer, Aeroball star, Conrad King. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, baby. Guy He's an Conrad, old hero. He's all patched up and ready to, or he, he left the team from an injury, but now he's all patched up and ready to rejoin the team. They've got a league match coming up against the Baltimore Bulls, but need one more player. Time to head to the sky slums of Harlem to find new talent. Aw, uh, yeah, baby. Luckily, they they quickly do as a high flyer to homemade jetpack nearly wipes out, but Giant saves him. They quickly the homemade recru- jetpack, by the way, using alcohol and raw spirits. <laughs> Excellent. They quickly recruit this kid, Zach Harper, to the team. And then suddenly two more players, Chico and Sammy, come back from transfers. And they have a full squad. Hell yeah, man. Great. The Baltimore crowd jeers them, but Giant knows they can win. Can the heroes prove their fame? Don't miss next week's thrilling game. Oh, I forgot that they do the rhymes at the end. Yeah, and the ne- like in this uh, teletext type, like on the bottom of the, of, the, of the page for each one. Oh, it's so good. The heroes are up against the Bulls, a team of cops from Baltimore. So basically the uh, the plot of The Wire, I guess, like Wire mm. Season 27. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> the game starts, but Zach doesn't like cops and gets out of position. The oh. Bulls get the ball. They go for a score, but Conrad King manages to block the shot, but earns a penalty as well. No one likes being in the sad cage. Yeah. It's just a little, like, uh, penalty <laughs> box just floating in the middle of the stadium. Yeah, just so everyone can see you, you know? Yeah, it's embarrassing. The game continues with Giants stealing a pass and going for a shot, missing, and Zach gets the rebound, but also gets kicked, uh, but also kicks a player in the neck, causing the score to be disallowed. Oof. Frustrated. Zach goes flying out fast for the ball, but hits a TV camera at 80 miles an hour, goes out of control, his jetpack on fire, flying right into the crowd. Rookie move, man. Zach's future's looking pretty bleak. Watch his fate unfold next week. <laughs> Zach's crashing right into the crowd, but Harry and Giant act fast and manage to grab the rookie and get him to the firefighters, but the Bulls in the meantime are able to score. The Bulls. Yeah, Giant chews out Zach for not being a, for not being a team player, kicks him off the team. Damn. The Bulls, though, are playing rough, cross-checking the heroes to take them out. One of the players has to has to go for injuries, and Zach comes back in asking for another chance. Giant gives it to him. The game is on, but swiftly devolves into a giant midair brawl that ends with Zach getting the point off the face of a bull. A bounce off Bo. the bull. Yeah, no, this is a, a giant scrum in the middle of the air. It's awesome. Yeah. There's nothing to do for it now. They just have to out to outthink and beat the bulls. Here come the heroes, fighters to the last. Don't miss our next frog. The flying's hard and fast. Oh. The Bulls are playing hard, but the heroes are getting their licks in and now have a lead of two to one. Over a big spread of cheering fans, the heroes score again and again, oh, eventually man, winning so by six to one. Yeah, they're really sort of, they've come together as a team at last. They're looking good going forward, but suddenly they're stopped on the way out of the stadium by the one and only oh. Ulysses Cord, head of Trans World Networks. 
just wearing the star-spangled vest and suit. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's dressed like Uncle Sam. He owns the network data broadcast Aeroball. And he's got – and he's bought them a massive luxury superliner replacing their last one. And all he asks is that they go and win the world championship for America. And every single shot you see him in, it, it's just him gritting his teeth with his eyes open as wide as possible. He's real this crazy. This man is yes. on speed. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, he's having a good time. It's the future. Uh, Giant is skeptical but can't look a gift horse in the mouth. The team is headed out for the next round of the tourney to Moscow to play the Siberian Wolves. Ooh. The heroes bustle speed through rain or fog. Their exciting tale goes on next Prague. Oh, nice. But too bad it's not here. And man, oh, man. You know, you and I have talked, uh, I mean, not not as much recently just because they haven't been here about how we like these yeah. kind of future sports. How are you taking the Harlem Heroes now that we're back at it? I like it. You know, um, it's real. Like, I like that the rules are real simple, I think. Mm-hmm. Like the the sequel to this story, Inferno. I feel like we never really got a handle oh, on what the, the rules time. for the game were, and this one's very much just kind of like, yeah, get in there, don't hurt people too much, and kind of get the ball in, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, like Dave Gibbons, Dave Gibbons is really a master in terms of art. He's an amazing Strong artist, degree. and so like the way he draws the heroes, and like you know, like the the rabid fans, and the heroes working real hard, and stuff like that. Like the uh, the moments where Zach's falling to the crowd, you kind of see oh, his yeah. terrified face, and everybody running away from him in fear and stuff. Really great. Like the emotion there is really amazing. And you know, yeah. And then you know, we're sort of past these sports comics where we're yeah. now. I don't think we'll see any for. I, 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 I think we're sort of done with them overall, except for sort of things that are kind of making fun of the concept of sports comics. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured they were long, long since done. Uh, yeah, it's sort of an era of things. Like I think even when we got to Mean Arena, which is like in '84, I want to say. Mm. People were like, ah, sports comics, this is kind of done and dusted, you know? I guess. There's, I mean, I just love Harlem Heroes. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it, 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 it's a big point, I think, especially as Americans, this is a perspective we have that I think are different from from Brits, I think. Yeah. Because in, Eng- in America, super, like comics mean superheroes and that's it. And so we don't have this sort of ecosystem of having war comics and sports comics and other things like that. Yeah, that's pretty true. And I so mean, I, I think we kind of can't think of any that I grew up with anyway. Mm-mm. And so, I mean, I think we kind of come to stuff like Harlem Heroes with a different perspective just because I think it's possible to be like, oh, like sports comics, like whatever. <laughs> and they got jetpacks and kung fu. Yeah. Exactly. We're like, whoa, this is crazy. I never seen anything like this before. Yeah, exactly. You know? so it, like, like for us, it's refreshing instead of an old hat, you know? Mm-hmm. But speaking of topics that are evergreen, Fox. Oh, there we go. To this very day. Drill six. Judge Dread. <laughs> so skinny. It's true. He's just a baby Dread, man. Mm-hmm. Script about Peter Harris, Kelvin Gosnell, and Malcolm Shaw. Art robot Mick McMahon, Carlos Escara, S. Richard, and S. Richardson. Letting robots McGowan and Bill Nuttall. He needs to eat some more of that minestrone. <laughs> Respect the badge. He earned it with his blood. Fear the gun. Your sentence might be death because I am the law. Don't you fuck around no more. I am the law. <laughs> Created oh, by John Wagner and Carlos Escara. For some reason, the editors of 2008 decided to launch the strip with neither as the creator of the first issue. 
Um, this would greatly piss off Carlos Escara, who had stopped working for 2000 AD and not come back to the comic for several years. And yeah. after Prague 10 wouldn't work on uh, Judge Dredd until 1982 with the Apocalypse War. Oof. So, Judge Joe Dredd is the law in Mega City One, a megalopolis covering the eastern seaboard of the United States in the year 2099. We'll learn much more about him in the weeks and years to come. Dredd's built off the idea – sort of like – so, sorry. When action folded, like people were really angry about the violence, especially violence being done. Like the, the, the controversial action cover shows what, what seemed to be a kid beating up a policeman with a, with a chain. Jesus. And so the decision was that, all right, like, listen, we're going to have a violent strip, like a real violent one, but we're going to make it so that instead of it being someone doing violence to cops, now it's a cop <laughs> doing that violence. Oh so if my you try God. to censor it, you're like, what, you don't like the police? Like, What's you're wrong t- with you? Censoring law and order? <laughs> <laughs> he's just talking about how he's upholding the law, despite being very on the nose about the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. So from the st- so from this start, Dread would soon become 2080's number one character, which remains to this day. So basic features: he's got a sweet uniform. Uh, as- Carlos Escara, who, uh, who who created the art for Dread, said he based a lot of it on uniforms from uh, Spanish fascists. Oh yeah, um, in World War II and stuff. He rides an awesome motorcycle. He's got a gun that fires several kinds of bullets. Though I don't think that's actually in in play here yet. No, I think that comes in the next few. Yeah. Next right few now, comics. though, we're in the year 2099, but the the time in Mega City One will advance roughly in real time as year as real as real years do. So, so Dread's always 122 years in the future. So as we're recording this, so sorry, as the so the year we were in before we were forced to time travel back to 2016, it was 2042, <laughs> and so I guess now it's uh 20 uh 38. Yeah. Yeah. As we sit here in 2016, by God, keep it up, Conrad. <laughs> we're doing it. We're in the past right now. I promise we're in the past. We would not lie to somebody, anyone. We would never lie about being Absolute. in the past. No. Nothing but past truths. So, Fox, oh in the God. ruins of the Empire State Building, a bunch of no good <laughs> crooks have taken up residence, led by a dude named Whitey. Oh, he's such a no good Nick. Seriously, Dredd tries to arrest him, or sorry, a judge tries to arrest him, but Whitey quickly blows him away with a laser. Take uh, that, but Alvin. But it's just Judge Alvin. Get out of here. <laughs> White puts his puts on his helmet and taunts the toughest of the judges, Judge Dredd. Yeah. At Justice HQ, the chief judge, who we later learn his name, Judge Goodman, is briefing Dredd when they get a call. Judge Alvin has arrived dead on his bike, a note pinned to his body. The grand judge wants to send a squad, but Dredd um, holds firm. Only one man needs to handle this. Him! Uh, I'll deal with it. You know, no need to bomb an entire building. (laughs) Nah. At the Empire State, the crooks hear a bike coming. It's unmanned as Judge Dredd has snuck Mm. up behind those crooks using the autopilot of the bike. Someone using those those old one-eye tricks. (laughs) He guns down most of the crooks, but takes Whitey alive. Whitey says no prison can hold him, but he's going to Devil's Island, a traffic island oh my in God. the middle of a super highway where cars roar past 200, uh, 200 miles an hour, 24 hours a day. It's so rad. 
Yeah, Whitey says he'll get out, and he will actually in the ne- uh, twice in the next few months, both in the Prague and the 1978 annual, and again on 2080's 10th birthday in Prague oh, 520. Man. So great. Alvin's uh, badge is hung on the wall of remembrance. Maybe they'll all die that way, but Dredd can't imagine a better way to die than in defense of the law. All right there, bud. I mean, he's not, though. He's going to live, like, at least another 40 years. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Kelvin Gosnell, soon to be 2080 ed- editor, takes over writing here with McMahon still on, still on art. Scarface Joe Levine is on the loose in Dredd's area. The crook can't hide his distinctive scar, so he heads to the new you, a face parlor. He takes the place hostage and gets a new face, disappearing into the crowd. Soon, he's back on the loose and sees Dredd on the oh, highway. Man. He decides to press his luck and like kind of talks to Dredd like, oh, who, nice weather we're having. Blah, blah, blah. Who does that? It's foolish. Especially when you're going that fast. You could hear anybody. Yeah. Like, the lawman recognizes him, sets his bike on auto and jumps onto Levine's <laughs> car. He takes the vehicle out and arrests Levine because it seems that while his face was changed, his voice was the same and matched the voice print analyzer on Dredd's bike. That's always listening. Yep, in the 21st century, no one can escape justice. <laughs> Dredd rides off into the sunset as we get a full-page future graph of Dredd riding through the city with an inset map of Mega City 1, apparently a part of the USW, or United States of the West, and at this point stretching from Montreal to Georgia, about 100 million people, and these facts will be revised in the coming months and years. Oh, yeah. I'm the law, and you'd better believe it. Seems like they wanted that catchphrase to stick, and I think just the first part ended up doing it. Honestly, I feel like they don't say it as much as you'd think. Really? Dread saying, I am the law. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not I'm not going to count, but some of them who wants to could. And <laughs> I bet by the, like, by the time the Sylvester Stallone movie comes out, where I am the law is definitely a catchphrase. Mm. I bet Dredd said it at most a dozen times over like 750 progs. Okay. Like, I don't think he says it that as much as you'd think is what I'm trying. I think he says drock it and boot knife far more than he says <laughs> I am the law. Oh, that's what they, I'm trying to say. I mean, they say boot knife so much that even Anderson says boot knife. Like, you got to summon it, buddy. You got to say his name. <laughs> That's it's like Hadoken, but for but for judges. Yeah, absolutely. Kamehameha, you know, you gotta do it. That's when you get when you pull up the strong knife, you're like, boo oot knife. knife. Spent two episodes saying boot knife once, Fox. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's a really Malcolm, big knife. Yeah. Malcolm Shaw takes over writing as an evil mutant cult, the Brotherhood of Darkness attacks. Oof. Dredd shoots him till he runs out of ammo, but has to go after them um, undercover when they kidnap the mayor's son. What mayor? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Dredd puts on a robe and says he's uh, he's claiming the judge's bike is a trophy. And they sort of buy it and stuff. Okay. They head out on trucks to the cursed earth. Not yet called that. And there's not a big wall between Mega City 1 and the Cursed Earth yet oh, either. Oh, yeah. Uh, judge Cal will build that um, in about 100 episodes or procs. That's right. They pass giant praying mantises, and Dredd observes the slave-driving ways of the cultists. 
That night, he takes out the guards, frees the slaves, and starts to escape. But when the cult is alerted, dread figures that they are the brothers of the Brotherhood of Darkness because they hate the light. Oh, man. And, uh, so it's flare hits time. hits them with the high beams and tosses some signal flares among them and makes good his escape. Mission, com- mi- mission complete. Yeah, nice. Fun one. Hey, let's bring that down, though, buddy. This last thrill is by is fi- finally given uh, Dread co-creator Carlos Oscar a chance to do some art. Yay! Dread, yeah, Dread. But let's get ready to boo because Dread at home in his apartment is shocked to suddenly find himself surrounded by palm trees and pretty ladies. What's going oh, on? No one likes that. It seems Maria, Dread's Italian cleaning lady, uh, uh, has allowed salesman Kevin O'Neill burn on sub editor <laughs> Kevin O'Neill. Yeah, like what the fuck? To set up a hollow suite in his living room, Dread is not pleased and kicks O'Neill out. Uh, Maria nags at Dredd about finding a nicer wife. Uh, <laughs> Dredd thinks about getting a robot instead. No! No, no, don't do it. Please, God, don't do it. There's another knock on his door, and it seems there's been a murder on the 200th floor of his apartment building. Uh, but, and the, the guy who was killed was the president of Sensor Round, the company O'Neill works and for. He was killed with irony, because he loves doing plant stuff. Yeah. Over the next few days, more sense around execs dies, all seemingly by moving special effects. These practical effects you like so much, Fox, I are murderous. I, I, that's part of why I love them. You couldn't kill anybody with CGI, Fox. <laughs> Except you definitely, long... you definitely kill a movie. Yeah. And in the long term, the practical effects maker can't afford to feed his family oh. and dies of starvation, buddy. <laughs> Grim. They're they're the first to go in the movie wars. Like they should make those green screens red because of all the blood on their walls, buddy. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um so they, they do ever get a voice print of the killer and it matches the curator of the movie special effects museum. Dreads right. on the case. He arrives to find the crew the curator's actually that O'Neill guy. Love these early single prog mysteries, Fox. They really get to the answer real fast. Uh, <laughs> He just explains he wanted to destroy Sensor Round to bring back practical effects, and he'll do it by killing Dread with Krong, a oh. giant King Kong, a King Kong-sized and type gorilla. Gotta blow up that gorilla. His gun does nothing on the beast as it climbs the Sensor Round building, killing as it goes. Dread instead rides his bike real fast and launches it into <laughs> Krong's mouth, where it explodes. As as we know, the way that robots work is that you keep all the brain parts inside the dome. Yeah, that's, I mean, where else would you keep them, buddy? <laughs> Certainly not, I mean, you know, data t- has it distributed all throughout his body. Not me, I got mine center mass in the chest where no one could get to it. <laughs> it's just real, real deep in there. Listen, you t- listen. You try to get through all this, all this Conrad I, matter if you want. I mean, but I'm saying I, it's a I keep attempt. it just above the grundle because ain't no one going near that. Whoa, the grundle. <laughs> so the RoboWave falls and it crushes uh, O'Neill as well, killing him. Your dreams were crushed. But the dreams like, but with dreams like yours, who needs nightmares? Dreams can come true. It can happen to you if you're young at heart. <laughs> California <Fox>. dream. <laughs> I 
it just sort of <laughs> like Jim just, voices. and then just him putting on like sunglasses at the end. Oh. oh my god! Why? 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 Why do we keep doing the show, Fox? Because <laughs> we. Point? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, because there's a pandemic on the loose. Absolutely. And hey, with that said, Fox. Mm-hmm. I have one question for you for the first time ever. Uh, this is, I mean, I, uh, I, I won't even know what you're about to ask me. How would I know? What were your top and bottom thrills for this? The first five progs of 2018? What, what is this? Some kind of like way that you might do a show and ask someone's opinion about what they might think are the top and bottom of several different uh, parts of a comic that we just read Mostly, yeah, I guess. This, I don't know. I thought this it was a feels, good idea. This feels like a like a good idea for a show, Conrad. Yeah, let's get this format rolling. <laughs> so my oh God, how do I even decide top? You know, I'll just go with I'll go with bottom Man, hindsight's a real fucking bitch with this one. Mm. Or yeah, yeah, I guess not hindsight. My ability to read into the future from yeah. the past. Your foreknowledge. Um, uh, I'm gonna say Judge Dredd is my bottom. Hmm. Um, That's just fair. because it's fine. Like it's there's there are certain hallmarks that I kind of love about it now that um, these ones don't have, and yeah. also just like in the face of what we have just read together. Uh. You know, going back to all this, all of it's so good, uh, regardless of how strange some of these things are. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's I, I this is not me saying that Judge Dredd is bad. It's simply still finding its footing. You know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you said a couple times, yeah, like you can really see the difference in the art between this version of Dredd and what Dredd will become. Even when when, when we're reading, I mean, I think like – but but really like, yeah, the look and feel of Dredd doesn't get solidified until like the Cursed Earth maybe a yeah. year in or so. Yeah. Like that's when you get McMahon and Brian Ball uh, – McMahon and Brian Ball and really dr- – like two guys really drawing Dredd extensively for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I think that really gives a chance to sort of solidify certain elements of what his character looks like and stuff. Yeah, but exactly. Even then, he's still kind of a small guy. I mean, I think we're still honestly in like even in the future we're coming from in 1989, I think Dredd looks different, looks way different than he does today, you know, just in terms of like his physical size and things like that. Like <laughs> he's, he's definitely less imposing now. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's really a big upward trending graph of Dread's just sort of mass, at, like like as the years oh, go man. by from his chin's skinny like 77 Dread. 4X the size. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say that Dread ha- has much of a chin at this point nice in, his, in, in, in his character. Like, it's not the, uh, it, 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 it's not the unbreakable, like, uh, wall that it is today, you know? So what's your so, top thrill? I uh, so other than like going in for a death metaphor, like I <laughs> like I've done before. Uh, so you know that's I, more of a that that's more of an episode two or three level uh, uh, flesh discussion. We haven't really gotten to that point yet, I don't think. So I I do love me some flesh, but I'm gonna be honest that on reread at like invasion is just so much of what I want. <laughs> um, yeah, I love invasion. It is exactly 
like what I remember, it is only good now in hindsight, like in in all times. Like it's just a timeless classic. Everyone mm-hmm. should read it. Everyone should also read Fre- Flesh. Should I even think like Dan Dare is a decent recommend on this one? He's just being a, a huge asshole. Plus, Bella okay, Donnelly's yeah. art's great. It's not. It's not going to be great until Battle Action playset. But yeah, that's mine. Mm-hmm. So Conrad, you know, let, on them. Yeah. Let me let me try let me try this out here. So what were uh, what were your top and bottom thrills? Ooh, good question. Came out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, honestly, I think for my top, I think just based on our discussion, I might say Mach 1 is my top. <laughs> just Ooh. because, like, we were just laughing so hard talking about the ridiculousness of this story, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and just... um. Like I'm really looking for, like I'm really enjoying the silliness of all of these early oh, thrills. All of it's perfect. I mean, if I could just say the entire show was perfect, I would. Yeah, but uh, but but Mach One, you know, with the acupuncture, with the built-in <laughs> computer, and then just kind of being like, you know, punching guys through walls and stuff like that. And again, that whole um, um, a president must die. Oh, I mean, it's the most story. fantastic way to start anything. He just shows up at customs with sunglasses on. It's like, greetings, I've come to kill your president. <laughs> Good like, way to start a, an NES game. That's just a lot of fun, you know. Yeah, and it truly and again, is. we were laughing so hard talking about it that I feel like mm. it's just got to be my top. Um, for bottom... Um, I'm like for me, I think my, my my bottom has to be either Dan Dare, just because I don't really like this era of Dan Dare. I think like like artwork aside, the storytelling's mm. not that great. I think no, yeah, I'm, I'm there with you on that. Like I'm, you know, I'm really ready for Gibbons to take over and for our our beloved period of Dan Dare to start. <laughs> you know, but that truly is a renaissance. That's still a ways away, so you know we aren't quite there yet. I I might also though join you with um, Judge Dredd. I think. Mm. Just because, like, the thing about Dread is just because, you know, we've been reading it for 13 years and then it continues on so much. Yeah. It means that it's got more room to develop, you know? Mm-hmm. And so because it's undeveloped, it's sort of – it sticks out more, I think. You know, because, yeah. like, 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 Flash is only going to go for, like – to de- like for 18 progs i think so it's oh, very yeah. much sort of gotta be what it is right out of the gate because <laughs> it doesn't just have a lot of room to evolve from where it starts you know Ooh, evolve very very cute yeah dinosaur listen i'm I, I i pick my words sometimes but like or but even like uh like invasion 2 is very much sort of i mean there's kind of one one note in invasion it's just a real good note that it kind of hits over and over again you know <laughs> it's the perfect note that they just keep slamming the key down over and over yeah, again yeah it's like it's like chopsticks or something you know where it's just kind of like all right yeah listen we got this song it's got like three notes like we're good to go you know <laughs> it's going to be enjoyable for at least a while yeah, whereas whereas Dread like very much is still kind of figuring out like what the setting is, like who this character is going to be and yeah. stuff. I mean, you know, I'm sure if it had ended like at the robot war or something, it'd be different. But because we've seen it have all these changes oh and sort God. of like like develop so much that 
these early days are more like when you watch a pilot for a TV show and it's like, oh, like this pilot's weird. Like it's got some different actors <laughs> that won't be in the final show. It doesn't quite know what the jokes will be and stuff. Like there's yeah, sort of exactly. like, you know, like there's a subplot here that they didn't pick up for the actual episodes and stuff like that. So I think that kind of makes it low on the thrill scale, high on the historic, like a historically important scale, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, but low on the rankings. It just doesn't blow your socks off or not yeah i'm there with you yeah okay yeah damn awesome yeah and i just want to say like um after i put this show out for a little while i'm gonna move it back in time so it should be on the feed at around the same time as the actual first episode of the show so if you're listening to so like basically i'm like it's it's more sort of as a promise like if you're listening to this show and you're hearing our early episode and the audio is not that great we don't cover things more in as in depth as 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 i might like honestly um you know we kind of do get better we kind of improve on audio things and just kind of up our game in terms of talking about the specifics of one prog to another (laughs) and you know get sillier i'd say oh god (laughs) like i don't know if you want to put that as a positive or a negative but it is very much just kind of like you know i definitely groan a lot more when you say the episode number (laughs) it's good good change you know saying that that episode one after episode 202 is real like real (laughs) mind-blowing Oh man! I should say also, actually, the second, mo- like, like the, the big most important thing is that for the first hundred episodes or so, we're gonna have a different website than the one I say at the end of the show. So oh, don't yeah. go to that one anymore. <laughs> I guess um, helpful. Yeah, because I hope you enjoy you, you you enjoyed this first episode. It's a lot of fun. I'm really ex- ex- so excited that we're on this journey, you know, and yeah. that we've come so far and now can look back and see these things in a whole different light. And you I guess in space- the end, it it yeah. didn't even matter. Get out of here with your Lincoln Park, Fox. <laughs> Jesus. Crawl in my, crawling in my skin to the end of this episode. <laughs> you can find oh. Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or a podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. No. It's the real thing. Feel free to contact us at spacepinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacepinner2k. For everything else, look over spacepinner2000. You'll find us there. And then come back next episode, real episode two, as the Harlem heroes head to Russia to play ball and dodge assassins. (laughs) Bill Savage heads to Heathrow. Dan Dare fights more biogs. Mach 1 fights some Nazi frogmen. And Judge Dredd begins the fight against the first great robot uprising. Oh, yeah. He's really into Hitler. I don't know if that part's in there, but yes. Oh, man. (laughs) Call me Kenneth. Great, greatly appreciates Hitler, Fox. That's how oh, you yeah. know he's an evil robot. He's huge Big Hitler into fan. It. <laughs> God. And until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox. And then, now, forever, we are Space Fitter 2000. Splendid you know, after going through this show, I realized that I don't actually say anywhere that Borag song and Spot for the bigger things Thark says. They'll figure it out. Or I they guess. won't. Every time I hear Chanson, Chanson, Duh.